3: And Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Wow, a new book. This is this is amazing. Ryan Grimm wrote a, uh, essentially a book review slash article over at The Intercept. It just went up. The Taliban tried to surrender and the U.S. rebuffed them. Now here we are is the title of it. And uh, the book is No Good Men Among, Among the Living. It's by Anand Gopal. And Uh, The amazing thing is, you know, right after we took down the government of Afghanistan, you know, just a few weeks into the war, the Taliban tried repeatedly to surrender to the George W. Bush administration. And, uh, well, uh, just share it with you from from, uh, Brian Grimm's piece here. So when the Taliban came to surrender, the U.S. turned them down repeatedly, In a series of arrogant blunders spelled out in Anand Gopal's investigative treatment of the Afghanistan war, no good men among the living, only full annihilation was good enough for the Bush administration. They wanted more terrorists in body bags. The problem was that the Taliban had stopped fighting, either having fled to Pakistan or melted back into civilian life. Al Qaeda, for its part, was down to a handful of members. So how do you kill terrorists if there aren't any? Simple. Afghans that the U.S. worked with understood the predicament that their military sponsors were in, so they fabricated bad guys. Demand has a way of creating supply, and the U.S. was paying for information that led to the death or capture of Taliban fighters. Suddenly, there were Taliban everywhere. Score settling ran amok. All you had to do to get your neighbor killed or sent to Guantanamo was tell the U.S. that they were members of the Taliban. Doors would be kicked in, no questions asked. Men left standing, became warlords, built massive fortunes, and shipped their wealth abroad. Amazing! After the few years of this sh- charade, after their surrender efforts were repeatedly rebuffed, the old Taliban started picking up guns again. And uh, you know, now the U.S. has managed to make the Taliban popular. This is this is you know a remarkable, remarkable piece. By the way, it's anything goes Fly- Friday. Anything you want to talk about today? Our number is 202-808-9925. There's a you know bunch of interesting things in the news. This is. I, one of the more interesting, in in that it's just a demonstration of creativity. I'm not I'm not a big endorser of of dog poop, but uh, <laughs> there there's uh, a group of white nationalists who want to have a uh, a gig in Crissy Field. This is a public uh, park near the Golden Gate Bridge, and there's going to be a rally there tomorrow, and uh, so this person uh, Tuffington was his name, uh, said, uh, Tuffy Tuffington, in fact, <laughs> said, you know, I think I'm going to come up with something fun that would, uh, you know, well, he, he was walking his dog in Golden Gate Park and he says, my dogs are doing their business. And I was struck with the image of a bunch of alt-right folks stomping around a field of poop. So he creates this fake Facebook event, uh, event with a group of 15 friends, encouraging them to quote, leave a gift for our alt-right friends in Chrissy Field uh, you know, this afternoon and this evening. So that Saturday morning when these guys show up, um, he said, take your dog to Chrissy Field and tell, let them do your business, do their business and be sure not to clean it up. We'll see how this works out. You know, I don't know if this is a really great idea or a really dumb idea, but it's a, it's pretty amazing. Yesterday on a couple of occasions, I was referring to people, you know, were calling in, they were talking about Fox so-called news. And I referred to two websites that uh, you can go to to get great information about how Fox is lying to its, to the rubes, you know, to the, to the people that, that it was uh, specifically set up to indoctrinate. And uh, one is mediamatters.org. I got that one right. The other is newshounds.us. And I called it by a different name yesterday. I was wrong. It's newshounds.us. So check that out. It's a, it's a, it's a really, uh... oh, Sue says that that's a crappy idea. (laughs) The the, the park. Yeah, I guess so. Oh, very good one, Sue. That's a, that's a very good one. Um, There, there's another story here that I, that I thought was yeah, I've got a bunch of stuff to share with you just that I've been accumulating throughout the week that, in fact, we, we mentioned on Facebook yesterday that I was going to talk about this on the, on the radio today, and I never, never did get to it. And it's a, it's a concatenation of two different stories or a merging of two different stories. One was in The, um, in the Guardian, and the other was in The Financial Times. Uh, starting with the one in The Financial Times, it's by Amy Williams, and it's called Why a Dumb Phone is a Spark Move. And uh, Amy is talking about, you know, thinking that she should swap her smartphone for a dumb one, because every time she sits down, she's looking at her phone. Every time she gets just a little bit bored, she looks at her phone. There's, you know, we've got to check out Facebook, got to check out Twitter. And and points out that this behavior that we're all participating in now, where, you know, you, you, you sit down for two minutes, you know, you're waiting for a bus, you're waiting for a metro, you know, for a metro card, uh, car, excuse me. Uh, you're waiting for the waiter to show up in the restaurant. I mean, you know, literally the the moments when normally we would just kind of power down and look around and be present, be mindful and just say, oh, this is what a nice restaurant. I'm waiting for the waiter. Now it's like, oh, the waiter hasn't come over yet. I guess I better check my iPhone. And So, anyhow, Amy Williams says this is not accidental. Um, She's talking about how these tech engineers, quote, speak in the language of addiction and behavioral psychology, although they prefer the term persuasive technology. There's even this company, Dopamine Labs. Now, dopamine is the chemical, uh, the neurotransmitter uh, that jacks up really high in your brain a little bit high when you take caffeine, a lot higher when you take cocaine or amphetamines. It's the it's the ultimate reward chemical, or one of them. I mean, you know, one of the major ones, probably the major one. And it's also the, the chemical that is released when, like if you're gambling, if you win a game, boom, dopamine rush. Uh, dopamine rush associated with the climax, with orgasm. The dopamine rush associated with a whole lot of things. And it's the... Uh, believed to be the the key to addiction, understanding addiction. So Dopamine Labs, named for the chemical release at the reward Center of the Brain, offers a service to tech businesses wanting to, quote, keep users engaged. Founded by two neuroscientists turned programmers, it talks explicitly about using artificial intelligence to modify apps and thus release dopamine hits to, quote, surprise and hook each user. So Amy writes, robots are trying to alter your brain chemistry to make you spend more time doing something you don't want to do, which is hanging out with your smartphone. And she's right. So then the second article is from The Guardian. This is by Ben Tarnoff. This is from, they're both from the 23rd of August, which was what, day before yesterday? Yeah. Uh, This one is titled, Silicon Valley siphons our data like oil, but the deepest drilling has just begun. And Ben Tarnoff opens the article by saying, what if a cold drink costs more on a hot day? You know, Uber surge pricing may be coming soon to the restaurant or store near you. All kinds of prices will start becoming dynamic rather than static. Why, you know, buying buying lunch at lunchtime will cost more than buying lunch at three o'clock in the afternoon. He points out that Facebook and Google together Receives 76% of all dollars spent in the United States on online advertising. Goes to these two places, Facebook and Google. And Silicon Valley has to make a profit, you know, beyond Facebook and Google. So how do they do it? Get people to spend more time online. Make the apps as addictive as possible. So how do you do that? Well, uh, excuse me, this, this one is uh, the uh, ben, ben Tarnoff writes... Amazon is going to show the industry how to monitor more movements by making corporate surveillance as deeply embedded in our physical environment as it is in our virtual one. Silicon Valley already earns vast sums of money from watching what we do online. Soon, it'll earn even more money from watching what we do offline. And he talks about how Amazon built a smart grocery store in Seattle. Now, um, right now, if you're online, if you're on Facebook, they literally are monitoring everything you do. If you're on Google, they're literally monitoring everything you do. How long do you read that story? How long are you on this site? How long, you know, what do you mouse over? All that kind of stuff. But imagine if this goes into the real world. If if your supermarket not only knew which items you bought, but how long you lingered in front of which products, what your path was through the store. Did you look at things at eye level, knee level, foot level? Where Where does your eye go? What are you doing? This data... Ben writes, holds valuable lessons about your personality and your preferences, lessons that Amazon will use to sell you more stuff online and off. And then, and then he talks about how, and they're taking it a step beyond that, with the Echo and Siri and all of these, quote, smart apps or smart devices that are listening to you constantly, to everything that's going on, and, uh, and then he adds, in late July, Amazon obtained a patent for drones to spy on people's homes as they make deliveries. Uh, an example included in Amazon's patent filing is roof repairs. So the drone that's dropping off your package is also going to check out your roof and see if it needs to be fixed. If it does, then they'll sell that information to roofing contractors in your area. And then he says, what do we do about this? You know, we're being spied on to death, essentially, not just by governments now, but by corporations. The only solution, he writes, is political. As customers, we're nearly powerless, but as citizens, we can demand more democratic control of our data. Data is a common good. We make it together, we make it meaningful together, since useful patterns only emerge from collecting and analyzing large quantities of it. But that we should have some say, we should have some control over all this. And I agree, I think that that's a really important thing and this is something we should be paying attention to you know and the the whole idea of the addictiveness of applications the addictiveness of the internet are you an internet addict have you experienced this i know people who just you know they can't stand to be you know quiet and alone for even a minute or two anymore i think that this is, is is building an addictive response we'll be back Welcome back, Tom Harvard here with you, and Maine in Chicago. Hey, Maine, what's on your mind today?
4: Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. Yeah. <clears throat> I was uh, looking at how things are, are, are shaping up a, 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 a what they say, what comes around, goes around, mm-hmm. type of thing. Like, this here, to me, it's like uh, the Civil War is like being fought again, but, uh, but in the original Civil War, you know, it's like the White people fought for and with us, but now uh they fight with and for us and, you know it's a but it's a it's a vice versa type thing because of the uh one two three four percent want wanting to make this america in, into like a third world country with tall buildings and streetlights. i i mean um uh the the protests and stuff that you see now, uh, uh, have, have, uh, evolved, well, I, I can't get it all together,
3: Tom. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, I, I, I think I get a sense of what you're saying, Maine, uh, and well said. Thank you very much for the call. I, I think that this is, it is like, you know, we're replaying the civil war and, and, uh, and that was not a good war. It was not a good time. And and even Robert E. Lee said there should be no no memorials to this war. We don't want to pick the scab of that wound over and over again. And and sure enough, you know, once he was dead, that's what we've been doing. Maine, thank you for the not that not that he would have stopped it, but uh, and not that he was a good guy. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just I'm trying to say these guys are completely reinventing American history. Maine, thank you. Very well said, Kathleen in Pen, Pennellville, New York. Hey, Kathleen, what's on your mind?
0: Hello, hi, Kathleen. Hello? Hi, Tom. It's so nice to get to speak to you. I've become a big fan of your program. Well, thank you.
3: What's on your mind today?
0: Um, I saw something on Yahoo today that made me really nervous, and it was Roger Stone saying, if there was any attempt to impeach Trump, there would be a civil war, and both sides were armed, and that if there was any senator, I believe he said senator i I could be wrong, but any senator. Put forth a bill to impeach Trump that they would be killed. Wow! And I find this really frightening.
3: Well, and they would be I killed is the kind of language that should get him investigated by the Secret Service. But yeah, I, I I saw that story and I I think you know Roger Stone. I mean, he's got a he's got Richard Nixon tattooed on his back. I'm I'm not kidding. Uh, you know, he he was Richard Nixon's number one fanboy. And, uh, you know, that didn't work out all that well for Richard Nixon. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work out all that well for Trump. Anyhow, back to you, Kathleen.
0: I found that really scary, that yeah. someone would be saying that yeah. and putting that kind of thinking out there.
3: Yeah, the, the, the possibility of, a, of an American civil war at this point is, is pretty marginal. The possibility of enormous damage being done to the United States by, you know, some kind of right-wing insurrection Well, you know, I'm I'm thinking back to Tim McVeigh. You know, he he, Tim McVeigh actually believed that he was playing out the Turner Diaries scenario. In the Turner Diaries, the uh, the you know the the good guy blows up a federal building in in, uh, Oklahoma, and the the federal government responds. In this case, it would have been the Clinton administration responds by cracking down. By taking away people's guns, and then that causes all the good white people to rise up and kill off all the people of color and all the Jews in the country, and that's what Tim McVeigh thought was going to happen. Um, I think maybe Roger Stone is thinking like that too, but that's not what happened. When when Tim McVeigh set off that bomb, it brought America together. It didn't, you know, further divide us. So I don't know, Kathleen. I I think that uh, Roger Stone is wrong, and uh, I you know I. Uh, and, I, and I would not be uh, intimidated by what he has to say and not be frightened by what he has to say. I just he's he's just wrong. Well,
0: that's a relief to hear you say that. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I think the the people of the United States are are waking up. Uh, the The ones who seem, you know, firmly cemented in their delusional status are the ones who are only getting their information from Fox, as far as I can tell. Kathleen, thanks for the call. Uh, we'll be back. It's anything goes Friday on the Tom Harbin program. Our number uh, at 202-808-9925 will be picking up your calls and more of the news of the day after this break. All the important stories we cover and the issues we care about are at HartmanReport.com. Members of our community can comment and join the conversation. Gabriel in uh, Oakland, California. Hey, Gabriel. What's up?
5: Hi, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. So um it always strikes me when you mention Fox News that in numerology, the only words that you can spell with the numbers six, six, six is fox. Now, what do you mean? So like well, like um if you if you go through the alphabet and you do the numerology, a, b c, d e, f is a six. O is a six, and X is a six.
3: I, I get how F is a six. I don't get how O and X are. And a six.
5: then you get to the nine. You get to nine, and then you start over again in numerology. Oh, so, I see. And then that would make O a six. Right. And and X is six. So <laughs> the only only word you can spell is fox. Whoa. And I happen to think that may be it.
3: <laughs> that's. So that's 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 weird. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you know what else to say, Gabriel. I mean that that's you know I th- yeah, I, 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 know. I I remember it's thinking back in the day how weird it was that Ronald Wilson Reagan's name's you know was six 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 because you know the in the in Revelation it says uh, a, a, and the, the the you know the number is the is a name you know it's like oh really, Fox? Huh? It's the only
5: words you can spell. There you go. So that's my anything goes Friday. Thank you.
3: Okay, thank you, Gabriel. That was a good one. Uh, Rick, in Will, Will in Wilmette, Illinois. Hey, Rick, what's up? Rick? Yes. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind?
6: Yes, I'm sorry. Um, let me take you off. Uh, I just wanted to make a comment with regard to uh, your comment on uh, free apps and people spending all their time on Facebook and every spare moment and the fact that they're being tracked. And I read uh, a Comment from someone in Silicon Valley, some app developer, that said, "For users, if you're not paying, you're not the customer.
3: Exactly, you're the product. product. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I, you know, I've got a, uh, I mean, I see this behavior myself. You know, I've got a a little uh, blackjack app on my phone, and I've been playing blackjack against the computer just, you know, when I get bored. And the, uh, and I, and the, the method I've been using is every time you lose, you double your bet. And, it, you know, if you can not lose more than five or six times in a row, I forget which it is, um, you know, you, you always get made whole and every time you bet the absolute minimum five dollars. So I'm up to like $30,000 now in my blackjack check on my phone. I mean, it's not real money. But it's like every time I win, I get that oh yeah, you know there there's that dopamine. And every time I get wiped out, it's like oh god, you know I have to close the app and can't come back to it for an hour or so because you know when when you when you when you're doubling down and you lose, it like wipes you out to the tune of a thousand bucks or something. And I wonder what the developers of that app are doing with all this. Oh, you know Hartman logged in at you know three o'clock in the morning and <laughs> played the game for fifteen minutes. It's like, they're selling it to somebody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're not the if you're not the customer, you are the product. Amen, Rick. Thanks a lot for the call. Magic in Winter Garden, Florida. Hey Magic, what's on your mind today?
7: Hi. Um how you doing, Tom? Good. What's up? Uh <clears throat> I'm a participating member of uh, Antifa and I actually watch what Nazis and Neo Nazis say on their websites including like 4chan and Stormfront and the rest of them. And I kind of want to put out you know, a general warning for people. I was watching what they were saying about the event that Dick Spencer was going to do at the University of Florida. They were planning on bringing firearms to the event, uh, killing as many Antifa as they could find, and then using Florida's stand-your-ground laws to get out of, uh, to basically to get away with murder. So uh, I'm kind of putting out a general warning if you're going to any protests, if you're even near Antifa, or if you are Antifa, Invest in some body armor. Uh, it's a sad day, where I have to say that, but it's the truth.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it really is a a, a sad thing, um, and and body, you know, it, it 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 occurred to me when I was watching some of the conflicts in in uh, Charlottesville that body armor might be a good thing. That that it, it's very unfortunate. Magic, thanks for calling and sharing. That was. Mark in uh, Hartville, Wyoming. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind?
7: Hey, Tom. Hey, I've been listening to you since uh, Air America days, and Thank you. you and I are about the same age. Mm-hmm. One of the first things I ever remember reading in the newspaper and assimilating was the arrest of Adolf Eichmann.
3: Oh yeah, back I, in the '60s.
7: Yeah, I had to ask uh, my dad to explain. The article to me, what were Nazis? what were crematoriums? Why right. were the Israelis abducting him for trial yeah. and I still can 't understand why anyone would be proud of walking around with any kind of insignia, Nazi insignia or Nazi salute or any of that crap yeah. i just it 's just beyond my comprehension
3: well I think that it's a it 's a sign of how some of these people, and I would say probably the majority of the people who are out there chanting, you know, you will not replace us, Jews will not replace us, etc., uh, how, how pathetic they are, how, how small their lives are, how, how neurotic and insecure they must be. Because you're right, Nazism is, a, is an offensive ideology and, and one that has been responsible for the death of millions of people, tens of millions of people and and still is you know on an ongoing basis and and it's just really the the Christian version of ISIL in some ways uh, you know there's this this you know extreme radical hardcore right-wing worldview and any yeah anybody who is proclaiming themselves a Nazi I mean I there's there's I suppose some situations you know like if somebody's in prison and they're trying to you know, they've got a bond to some gang for self-defense or something. Maybe you could make a case, but even then, I mean, you know, this is just, it's just weird stuff. And, and you know, I'm, I'm with you, Mark. That's, that is an excellent point. Thank you for calling and making it. Pat in Bellevue, Washington. Hey, Pat, what's on your mind today?
8: Well, I just want to know if uh, people are aware that um, these drug companies are switching their drugs from prescription to over-the-counter and once they're over the counter, they're going to cost you a lot more. And um, the other thing is that you can't count <clears throat> your expenses on over-the-counter drugs on um, if you itemize on your income tax. Right. And now the other thing is, that I'm using uh, um, the uh, test strips for for ch- checking on uh, uh, blood sugar. And last spring. As on prescription, they cost about hundred and forty two dollars for a seven week supply. Mm-hmm. Now they are one hundred and sixty seven dollars for a seven week supply, but I get them on prescription but mm-hmm. uh, to in order to prove that i 'm uh, using them as a prescription then um i have to they want six months of records of how you how you 're using them. They also want you to sign off. that You saw the doctor very recently specifically for your uh, blood sugar and that um, you've only got a supply of two days or three days left before you... Um,
3: Is this your insurance company that's making you jump through these hoops, Pat? What? Is this your insurance company that's making you jump through these hoops?
8: Um, I don't know. They say it's Medicare, but I can't believe that.
3: It sounds like, It sounds more like Medicare Advantage.
8: No, it's not. And but I mean it's outrageous that um, and seven week supply of test strips would cost one hundred and sixty seven dollars. Yeah. yeah. But who, if people have not got insurance, who's going to spend that much every seven weeks? Yeah. In order to test, so all these people um, with you know latent blood um, diabetes aren't going to do the testing because they can't afford it.
3: Right. Which means more people are going to end up with gangrene or neuropathy or even death as a consequence of uh, untreated uh, diabetes. Well, yeah, but
8: the point is, why can't we count it on um, as an expense on um, the income tax?
3: Right. I, you know, I don't know the reason. But the, the 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 simple thought that comes to mind is that if the IRS is trying to determine whether the itemizations that you're making on your income taxes are legitimate or not how do you how do you prove to them that this thing that i bought from cvs is actually a pharmaceutical as opposed to i guess you've got an itemized receipt um it's just if it ran through the pharmacy everything is a hundred percent deductible if it goes through anything else everything isn't so it could be that you know the idea was you know simplify things for the irs um, alternatively it probably was that the idea behind that? Was let's provide a tax incentive, a, a tax, uh, what would you call it, uh, you know, a, a, a tax benefit essentially for the pharmaceutical industry? It's a tax. It's a tax benefit for the consumers of pharmaceuticals, but the pharmaceutical industry that's not doing OTC drugs is going to make the most money off it. Excellent point, Pat. And and we've seen this particularly with. Um, with uh, anti-asthma medications and stomach acid things. They, they, they're doing You're excellent.
1: listening to Tom Hartman.
3: Hey, Tom Hartman here with the Tom Hartman Program. You know I'm serious about my health, and so I'm doing something for it. You've heard me talking about Super beats. Well, I'm drinking Super beats, a circulation superfood powder that helps support my heart and healthy blood pressure, too. I have amazing energy, amazing stamina as well. The New York Times calls Beats fit, fitness in a glass. With Super Beats, I get all the benefits without the bad taste or added sugar. Mix it in water or a smoothie for a jitter-free energy boost. You'll love the taste of Super Beats and feel results in as little as 20 minutes. Guaranteed to your money back. Try the original berry or black cherry. I like them both. If you haven't tried it yet, now is the time. Only for the summer, you can try Super Beats for only $5.95. Here's how. Call now and get a free box of Super Beats with 10 packets to try and feel the results, plus two free indicator strips for monitoring your nitric oxide levels before and after taking Super Beats. It's just $5.95. You'll love the results. Guaranteed more energy more stamina support healthy circulation what are you waiting for call eight hundred five six eight ninety eight eighty nine that's eight hundred five six eight ninety eight eighty nine or go to tomsbeats.com that's tomsbeats.com welcome back tom hartman here with you and Sibylla in greer south carolina hey what's on your mind today
2: hey professor tom uh... i don't think uh... uh... trump uh, blundered in the presidency i really think that billionaires and Russia and however these people are connected, they wanted him in in the office so they could do damage to the United States of America. And I think it's up to us in Congress right now, uh, with everything that he's done, to put some sort of censors through uh, a censor, so that a censor, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, uh, so that there's something historically noting what we're going through.
3: Oh, censure.
2: That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. Traumatic yep. brain injury. Quite all right. Has come out right. And I think it should be done that way. And as far as his, his, his issues, uh, I know someone that I was very close to. They had a, a narcissistic personality disorder, they had bipolar tendency, manic depressive. They function. They're awful people, but they function and they know what they're doing. And another thing in South Carolina, the the junior lizard bought some property in North Charleston then senior bought it from him with money from deutsche bank and a gentleman and then they sold it to Lockheed martin hmm. so these are things we have to keep we have to keep doing and this protesting and calling and so forth and so on i'm basing it on my experience and my mother being german and tell me all the stories from germany so yeah
3: yeah yeah it's you cannot take not you cannot We can't fail to, to, or we can't take these guys, fail to take these guys seriously. I mean, you know, it's it's when, when they say they want to kill us, when they say they, they, you know, they hate the values that this country was founded on, we should take them seriously. There's a a real danger in having Nazis trying to take over your government or trying to take power and having, and, and there's a real danger in Nazis having, established a serious foothold, uh, a beachhead, as it were, in one of the two major political parties. And that's absolutely what's happening, or has happened, rather. Sybilla, thank you for pointing that out. I appreciate the call. Wayne in Rocky Mountain, Virginia. Hey, Wayne, what's on your mind today?
9: You know, well, I'll be honest. I did not vote for Trump. I did
3: not vote for Clinton. I voted for Virgil Good. Who? And Virgil Good. I have no idea who Virgil Goode is.
9: He was a congressman from the this area. He ran for president on a minor ticket.
3: Huh. But So what's your point, uh, Wayne?
9: But we've got midterms coming up. And I don't know why a, I mean, they recalled Gray in California and I can't think of the guy's name in Illinois or Indiana uh, why can't we put together a recall on these midterms to recall
3: Trump because there's no provision for it in the Constitution. Um, the states that allow recall elections have the mechanism for the recall built into their constitution or into their state law, and there are neither at the federal level the There's only basically two responses right now to Donald Trump, arguably three. Um, In in terms of getting him out of there, there's impeachment and there's the 25th Amendment. And then the third option is simply massive political mobilization on the Democratic side so that in 2018, in the elections in November of next year, we can take back as many state houses as possible, take back the House and the Senate, and start putting some some breaks on on you know what Trump is doing and the kind of damage he can do, and this would also give us the ability to prevent him from putting another whack job like like Neil Gorsuch on the you know right wing crazy on the on the Supreme Court. So that's those are my thoughts on that, Wayne. Thanks for the call, Mary in Port Charlotte, Florida. Hey, Mary, what's up?
5: No, I'm just going to go like this.
3: Mary, you're on the air. Hi. Hey. Hi,
0: Tom. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. What's up? My husband's been watching you um, a long time, and he watches you daily. So we just wanted to throw it out there. Well, oh, thank you. Hi. Mine's not a question. Um, mine's not a question, but a statement. Mm. Um, Trump's kids were interviewed some time ago on TV, and they said that they were not going to be involved in their father's political stuff going on. However, uh, every time you turn around. Trump's daughter is side-by-side side with him, his sons are involved, and uh, I just wanted to throw it out, what, what's your thought on it?
3: Yeah, well that, you know, like so many promises that come from anybody with Trump as their last name, that promise was, was you know, a lie, and uh, the, uh, Eric's wife, uh, you know, Eric, one of the two sons, uh, the, the one who looks like Eddie Munster, his wife has been doing TV hits as Trump TV out of the White House, you know, they've created this little uh, TV channel that's, uh, you know, on on the internet, and so his wife is doing that. Don Jr. Uh, of course has you know, been tweeting if nothing else, you know, on, on behalf of his dad, and yeah, Ivanka has has a has an office in you know in the West Wing, um, right right near the Oval Office. So, I you know, Trump's kids are clearly involved in this, and and and. You know at least two of the three of them are still running his businesses and you know which raises the question of the emoluments clause it raises the question of of you know how much of this is arm's length and of course the DC hotel does that in a huge way and I keep saying you know I think he could be impeached just for hanging on to the DC hotel um, but uh, anyway it's 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 pretty amazing Mary thank you for the call uh, Brian in Schaumburg, Illinois hey Brian we've got a minute to the end of the hour what's up
7: Oh, just, uh just i just wanted to comment it's a beautiful summer day and you know i i love history and uh you know it was a mere 100 years ago this summer that the american army was landing in france and preparing to engage in world war 1 enter the slaughter that was one of uh mankind's biggest catastrophes and then helped precipitate the second or the mo- the biggest catastrophe which was uh world war 2 and uh i think a lot of people lose perspective on how quickly our world is changing compared to, you know, you look at the great span of history of mankind. The last hundred years have just been crazy. I mean, you know, my parents were born in a home without electricity. Yeah. You know, I'm an electrician by trade now. I've worked on data centers where we're, you know, where we handle information at the speed of light. Uh, you know, in World War I, we had uh, wooden fabric airplanes with 100 horsepower engines. Now we have space-based lasers and uh, supersonic jet aircraft. I mean, and another thing is the population of the United States has gone from 100 million to over 300 million people in a mere 100 years. Yeah. And
3: no, It's true. Brian, we're, we're out of time, but uh, you're right. <laughs> the, the, things are happening fast. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Welcome back. Henry McMaster, the guy who replaced Nikki Haley as the governor of South Carolina, has issued an executive order uh, this morning directing all state agencies, this is from Jesse Hellman, a piece uh, over at the Hill, directing all state agencies, uh, the State Department of Health and Human Services to seek, excuse me, direct state agencies to cease providing funds of a- in any form, whether it's by grant, contract, state administered, federal funds or any other form to any abortion clinic. You know the one of the first things that authoritarian governments typically do when they come to power or authoritarian religions do when they when they acquire this kind of power is exclude the women. It's the first step, step 1. Diminish their power, diminish their their ability to Uh, play a, a meaningful role in society, cut off support to them, make it, you know, I mean, this is just, this is the, the, the step one always for an authoritarian government is take women out of the, out of civil society, out of the loop, diminish their rights and powers. And this of course is the exact same game that Governor McMaster, Henry McMaster in South Carolina is playing today and he's doing it for political purposes. As uh, Jenny Black, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood South Atlantic said, today's executive order by Governor McMaster hurts South Carolinians in the name of politics. She went on to say, while he throws women under the bus to score political points, Planned Parenthood South Atlantic will continue to focus on providing the wide range of accessible, affordable healthcare services that our patients and his constituents rely on. We will not stop fighting to protect our patients' access to health care. And uh, the Texas now tried to do the same thing, but the federal judge blocked that, and Texas is going is appealing that. We'll see what happens in South Carolina. Fascinating piece by Kimberly Crispin Campbell in Politico this morning. I it was it, it's about Louise Linton. She is the the new wife of Steve Mnuchin, who is the Goldman Sachs guy, who is now our treasury secretary, the half-billionaire who is now our treasury secretary, Uh, they flew to uh, Kentucky, to Fort Knox, actually. (laughs) They watched the uh, eclipse from the roof of Fort Knox, uh, if the media reports that I've seen are accurate. And on the way back, uh, Louise Linton got off off the plane and Instagrammed a picture of herself with, you know, hey, here's my, you know, with hashtags for the for at least four of the designer, you know, clothing that she was wearing. She was apparently wearing, you know, $15,000 worth of clothes or something like that, some amazing amount of money. And, and then, you know, when this mother of three from Portland said, you know, how oh, deplorable that we're paying for your trip, then Louise Linton went off on this screed against this woman in, in, uh, in, uh, in Oregon. But what's interesting is that, the, the story here where Kimberly Christman Campbell is, is talking about, you know, the Instagram post heard around the world and uh, she got off, you know, with Hermes scarf and Valentino rock stud heels and all this kind of stuff. And she said, it, it, it later, one Instagrammer altered the photo of Linton depicting a Marie Antoinette in Sonny's. But I have some objections to this writes this author. I literally wrote a book on Marie Antoinette and her role as a fashion icon. And while I don't have undue sympathy for her, I can't help help feeling that she's the one being maligned by these comparisons and cake references. That's right. Likening Louise Linton or Ivanka or Melania to Marie Antoinette is not fair to Marie Antoinette. (laughs) Oh my. She writes, this isn't the first time the Queen's ghost has returned to haunt the Trump administration. First Lady Melania Trump has made several claims to the title of modern-day Marie Antoinette. For example, by appearing on the cover of a magazine pretending to eat a bowl of jewels or wearing a $51,000 coat to the G7 summit. Ivanka Trump has also invited comparisons to the Queen. There was the $10,000 Trump-branded bracelet she wore on 60 Minutes and then promoted in a press release. Chinese sweatshops that produce her clothing line, and the infamous Memorial Day champagne popsicle recipe, uh, yeah. But you know, anyhow. So she, in the uh, Kimberly Crispin Campbell in this article, is sort of defending Marie Antoinette, and the the whole point, you know, every story she says every story needs a villain, every horror story. While it's vastly seductive to or reductive, excuse me, to blame the entire French Revolution on one person. It's human nature to seek out a scapegoat, preferably a female foreign one who is, was not very popular in the first place. And uh, which brings us to Louise Linton. Some fashion writers have argued that Linton's crime was a rude response to a critic, not advertising her taste for luxury goods. Could be. You know, which, w- which was worse? I, You know, it's... the problem here, writes Kimberly Chrisman Cabell is Linton's shamelessness. Uh, the, the generally well-intentioned Marie Antoinette at least fudged her wardrobe account so it didn't look like she was spending so much money during an economic crisis. Linton didn't just dress in all designer outfit for the social media camera. She covered the post with hashtags, recalling actresses and other influencers who are paid to promote designer labels. And, you know, says these things are just cliches. So bottom line, Marie Antoinette, not as bad as Louise Linton. That's, that's really scraping it. Meanwhile, most Americans, this from a CNBC, most Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Now, while Louise Linton, Steve Mnuchin, Steve Mnuchin's worth, you know, at least 500 million dollars from what I've seen in the, in the papers. And Louise Linton, you know, grew up in a castle in Scotland and, you know, no slouch. Uh, although I, think that in the case of Mnuchin, she has married money, but whatever it may be, you know, getting off a plane, wearing clothing whose value equals the annual income of many working people in the United States, pretty shocking. But look at the, you know, 78% of full-time workers in the United States say they live paycheck to paycheck, up from 75% last year. This is from Career Builder. of people say that their debt is unmanageable. They're in over their heads. And 56% also saved $100 or less each month. So this is, you know, we're we're over a trillion dollars in credit card debt now in the United States. We're over a trillion dollars in student loan debt now in the United States. We've got car debts exploding. Housing just dropped. Housing... Uh, previously owned homes dropped 1.6% last month, uh, sales of, of, of previously owned homes. Uh, that is typically a, an early warning sign. And then finally, I want to refer you to a piece that Bobby Azarian wrote for Raw Story, titled Five Key Psychological Traits All Trump Supporters Appear to Share. A research out of UC Santa Cruz sheds a new light on the president's dizzying rise to power. And what they're looking at is basically authoritarian personalities. They, 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 he writes, uh, Trump's speeches, which are laced with absolutist terms like loser and complete disaster, are naturally appealing to those with this syndrome, this authoritarian personality syndrome. So that's the first uh, thing that you find commonly among Trump supporters. They're author- they're, they themselves are authoritarians, although they're authoritarian followers. Trump is an authoritarian leader. Second, social dominance orientation. This is referred to as SDO, and it's different from authoritarian personality syndrome. It refers to people who have a preference for the social societal hierarchy of groups, specifically with a structure in which the, the high status groups have dominance over the low status ones. So those with SDO are typically dominant, tough-minded, and driven by self-interest. And Trump is, in his speeches, constantly appeals to people with SDO by repeatedly making a clear distinction between groups with a high status, white, and those groups that are typically thought of as belonging to a lower status, immigrants and minorities. In a 2016 survey of 406 American adults published this year in the Journal of Personality and Individual Differences, found that those who scored high on both SDO and authoritarianism were those who intended to vote for Trump in the election. Number three, prejudice. Support for Trump is correlated with a standard scale of modern racism. Number four, intergroup contact. Trump's white supporters have experienced significantly less contact with minorities than other Americans. A 2016 study found that, quote, the racial and ethnic isolation of whites at the zip code level is one of the strongest predictors of Trump support. And number five, relative deprivation uh, refers to the experience of being deprived of something to which one believes they're entitled. Uh, it is the discontent felt when one compares their position in life to others who they feel are less or who are equal or inferior, but have unfairly had more success than them. And, uh, you know, but, but, you know, Trump supporters are not broke. An analysis conducted by 538 estimated that the annual median income of Trump supporters was $72,000 a year. So, you know, the Trump supporters are not doing poorly. They're not necessarily the the, 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 the the backwoods, you know, poverty-stricken, toothless, horrible stereotype that is is so extant. In fact, they're more likely to be upper-middle-class white people. So, interesting stuff. A whole bunch of interesting stuff here. We'll pick up your phone calls on Anything Goes Friday. we right in. What I like about Harry's is their amazingly high-quality shave. It's smooth and close, just how a shave should be. And Harry's passes savings on to you by selling directly over the Internet. No more frustrating drugstore trips. Harry's knows that some of you guys might be skeptical about trying a new brand of razor. So instead of just telling you, Harry's wants to prove that you'll love their stuff with a free trial. They made this special free trial with everything you'd need to evaluate Harry's. It's customizable. You try it for free. It's a $13 value. Someone with the Harry's team even checks in to see how your trial is going. It's 100% risk-free, guaranteed. You can even call and cancel or get a refund whenever you want. So why not give Harry's a shot and judge for yourself? Head on over to harrys.com tom. That's T-H-O-M, Harry's with an S, harrys.com slash tom to get it now. Get started with your Harry's free trial offer today. All you cover is just a few bucks in shipping. You get your free trial set, including a handle, blade, shave gel, and travel blade cover, Go to harrys.com slash tom that's harrys.com slash tom don't wait get started with harry's today welcome back and our music for the day this is from royce zimmerman a beautiful little song just thought you'd like it
1: little darling the streets are full of neo-nazis oh neo-nazis oh, oh. see them snarling i'm pretty sure they're off their mens yeah they're parading with the stars and bars and tiki torches. All the tiki torches were just done. Demonstrating they got a point, it's on their head. Back. There goes the sun. They're blocking out the sun. And I say, it's alright. It's alright. I've guess. been thinking. That the Republican Revolution is just Lincoln rolling over in his grave.
3: Yes, Lincoln is rolling over.
1: There goes the sun, Civil War rerun. I say it's all right.
3: I love it. Roy scum,
1: scum, scum, here they come. <laughs> scum, 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 here they come. let
3: see how he's gonna wrap this thing up.
1: Keep resisting, we won't let ignorance defeat us. Oh. Keep resisting, the clan can't stand the light of day. Here comes the sun, we'll say, here comes the sun,
3: and we'll say, it's all right. There you go. We'll get there. We will get there. Okay, Bill, in Oriskany, New York, am I saying that right, Bill? Yeah, close enough, Tom. Let me take okay. you out speaker. Sure. Sure. So what's um, on your mind today, Bill?
6: Some say Oriskany uh, was the turning point in the Revolutionary War, but that's not what I called it. Oh, wow. Um Oriskany. Uh, I was thinking, yeah, Ariskany. It's in it. New York. It's basically the geographic center of New York State. Huh. Okay. Between Utica and Rome, near Syracuse. Oh yeah,
3: I know where that would be. Yeah.
6: Um, I was looking into who owns the companies that make the voting machines, and it's kind of a convoluted list because Diebold was bought by Premier, which was bought by Dominion, a company in Toronto. But it's not really that. If we were to start not unlike Fox News with their some have said if we started a some have said George Soros is planning on buying all the election machines all the voting machine companies It may get the right thinking we probably ought to do away with those now
3: yeah and go back well and and you know if if George Soros wants to have some influence on the elections uh, that might be the best way to do it. it would be to actually buy the voting machine companies Flip out the the right wingers and cause them to go back to paper ballots, and then you know we won't see that redshift happening. We won't we won't see the machines getting hacked.
6: Right, right.
3: So, uh, you know,
6: I'm saying it kind of half tongue in cheek, and kind of at the same time, you know, it would scare them because he's the boogeyman.
3: Well, and and the and the and the soil is fertile. I mean, the the, you know it it has the 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 ground has been laid by Donald Trump saying that there were three million illegal votes for him or for Hillary, excuse me, against him in the, in the, in the last election? Uh, well, there weren't 3 million people who voted. That's fairly obvious uh, in, and, and easy to, to debunk. But what if there were 3 million actual votes that, you know, were not cast by people but were counted or something, you know, or, or not counted as the case may be? I mean, you know, he, he's, he already has his followers suspicious of the system and of, of the system of electronic voting. And, you know, I think that I agree with you, Bill. I think we should exploit that uh, as much as possible to get rid of these perfidious voting machines, which um, by and large are not even owned by American companies. Bill, a great great call. Thanks a lot. And, uh, and happy anything goes Friday to you. We'll be back with more of your calls. Welcome back, Tom Hartman here with you. And it's anything goes Friday, we'll let's pick up your phone calls. Holly in Sterling Spring, excuse me, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Hey Holly, what's on your mind today?
5: Well, I just uh want to kind of appeal to your maybe your uh critical thinking skills here for a moment.
3: Okay, let's try that.
5: Okay, let's try it. Uh, it's about the Antifa movement. Um they're a, it seems like they're you know they're a violent anti-government anarchist movement and I don't know how that's gonna help actually they're not they are well they are they they wear masks they smash windows they go with weapons uh, they are and they're very negative. I think you're
3: describing serious. the black block folks not the uh, no
5: not well, the they anti-fascist yeah so I you know uh, well there may be some people I who are both certainly well, I, you see them at every rally. Right. Uh, what you know, they they have the anarchist uh, flag, and they have batons. They have black masks on, and uh, i you see them on on inauguration day. They were smashing windows in downtown D.C.
3: That was that was not the anti fascist movement. Those those were the black block people who proudly call themselves black block and proudly call themselves anarchists. They are not anti fascist
5: so the anti movement has
3: the anti-fascist movement began in Germany in opposition to Hitler.
5: Right. So what tactics do they use?
3: Principally mass demonstrations.
5: What do they do when they demonstrate? Are they being peaceful demonstrators along? With
3: yes. The I mean that's that kids? that has always that has always been the history okay. of the what anti-fascist movement where? is peaceful demonstration. Now, you know, if you're attacked, are you are you suggesting that? Uh, demonstrators okay, who are attacked not should,
5: said, should not defend themselves. Yourself, but don't, don't seek it out. Don't incite it. And if you go to their Facebook, they're calling for a national riot on November fourth. And they're calling it a riot. There's there's no
3: they, Holly. There's not one central organization that's that oh, well, is that's the anti fascist movement.
5: Convenient anybody
3: so anybody them. can claim that they are these folks. And I'm and there's right. no doubt in my mind that there's exactly. some probably how can you, you, you know, people on the hard right who are trying part. to provoke things, uh, you know, on this. Holly, I, we're going around in circles. Thank you for the call. Red in Seattle. Hey Red, what's on your mind today?
9: Yeah, I wanted to talk about Antifa and follow up on that last caller. Sure.
3: Yeah, uh, first of all, there's a lot of
9: misconceptions about Antifa right now. and I've noticed. Uh, distinguishing them from um, so-called black block, I think, is a mistake because black block is only a tactic used by... Um, Red, what happened? You, know,
3: you still there? Yeah. And um, So you said black block is only a tactic used by... By anti-fascists, uh, other activists, anarchists, communists, right.
9: but I think I think it's important to make that distinction and and uh, not lump them all together.
3: Okay, well that's what I was trying to do. is trying to say the anti-fascists are people who are protesting fascism. The black what bloc people are people who think that you know if you can screw up screw up the structure of society enough, it'll fall apart and you can rebuild it in a way that you like, and. And uh, I disagree with the latter, and I agree with the former. Brad, thanks for the call. Uh, Andy in Billings, Montana. Hey, Andy, what's up?
9: Hey, Tom. Oh, wow. I can't believe I got through. Um, So I found you through Mike Malloy, and I was thinking about this, and I thought, oh, my God, I would love to have or hear both of you take calls, um, you know, do a show together or something.
3: That would be I mean, we've we've done that a few times, uh, always oh. in person though. We have mostly in Seattle and San Francisco. Mike and I, uh, and a few other people. Uh, uh, Ron Ron uh, Reagan joined us, and uh, Randy Rhodes used to join us. And we'd do these things for our radio stations. But anyhow, Mike is a great guy. Uh, so, what's on your mind, uh, Andy? That's not what you called about.
9: No, um, my and this might be kind of a uh, I don't know, kind of a dumb question, but. Um, I was, I guess I was thinking about if, um, Trump either resigns, which I don't see happening or he gets impeached and I, I'm, I'm thinking 2018 is when it's going to happen. But if that does happen, then that would automatically give tenth um, the presidency. But if they go back and they see that you know the whole Russian scandal is legit, which I believe it is. Um, there's, I'm just wanting to know, like, what your opinion is on this. There's no like redo of the election. No, uh, Pence would finish out um, Trump's term, and then they would have to do a 2020 election.
3: Correct. That's correct. Yeah. There's no. There's no provision for a. uh you know for anything other than impeachment in our constitution okay
9: well, that's I guess that's um I don't know i, I was pretty pretty bummed that the night. way
3: that the way that we can respond to Donald Trump is by organizing and we need to be doing this literally today, I mean every single day that goes by that we're not engaging and and we are you know and and there's a lot of groups out there. You know, Progressive Democrats for America, Democracy for America, Our Revolution, uh, you know, uh, MoveOn.org, there's a bunch of organizations out there that are working really hard to make this happen, is we need to be, we need to be claiming electoral victories in the, in the elections coming up next November, in, in uh, November of 2018. I mean, this is, this absolutely, this is kind of last chance, and, uh, and that sets us up for 2020. And we particularly need to be doing this at the state level, so that we can un or or de-gerrymander or whatever the word is some of these states where Republicans have got it so they get even less than 50% of the vote, but they have more than 50% of the representation in Congress. We've got to do that. Andy, thanks for the call. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have the latest news and information from Wall Street and Main Street, all points in between. Plus, we'll the rest of the news. And don't forget, democracy begins with you. Get out there, show up, participate, tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow.